Chapter fifty two of the Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter fifty two. The Court Martial. I wish I could meet all accusers with as good excuse, as well as I am certain I can clear myself of this. Shakespeare. Pursuant with the general orders issued from headquarters, the court martial, consisting of thirteen officers, convened at Tacobea for the trial of Traverse Rock, private in the blank regiment of infantry, accused of sleeping on his post. It was a sultry morning, early in September, and by seven o'clock the drum was heard beating before the archiepiscopal palace, where it was understood the trial, involving life or death, would come off. The two sentinels on guard before the doors, and a few officers off duty, loitering about the verandas, were the only persons visible near the well-ordered premises, until the members of the court-martial, with the prosecutors and witnesses, began to assemble and pass in. Within a lofty apartment of the building, which was probably at one time the great dining-hall of the priests, were collected some twenty persons, comprising the court-martial and its attendants. An extension-table covered with green cloth occupied the middle of the long room. At the head of this table sat General W., the President of the Court. On his right and left, at the sides of the table, were arranged the other members according to their rank. At a smaller table, near the right hand of the President, stood the Judge Advocate, or Prosecutor, on behalf of the United States. At the door stood a sentinel on guard, and near him two or three orderly sergeants in attendance upon the officers. The judge advocate opened the court by calling over the names of the members, beginning with the president and ending with the youngest officer present, and recording them as they responded. This preliminary settled, orders were dispatched to bring the prisoner, prosecutor, and witnesses into court. And in a few minutes entered Colonel Lenore, Captain Zutton, Ensign Allen, and Sergeant Baker. They were accommodated with seats near the left hand of the president. Lastly, the prisoner was brought and guarded, and placed standing at the foot of the table. Traverse looked pale, from the severe effects of excessive fatigue and anxiety, but he deported himself with firmness and dignity, bowed respectfully to the court, and then drew his stately form up to its fullest height, and stood awaiting the proceedings. The judge advocate at the order of the president commenced and read the warrant for holding the court. He then read over the names of the members, commencing, as before, with the President, and descending through the gradations of rank to the youngest officer, and demanded of the prisoner whether he had any cause of challenge, or took exception to any member present, and, if so, to declare it, as it was his privilege. Traverse lifted his noble head and keen eyes, and looked slowly around, in turn, upon each officer of the court-martial. They might all be said to be strangers to him, since he knew them only by sight, all except his old acquaintance Herbert Grayson, who sat first at the left hand of the President, and who returned his look of scrutiny, with a gaze full of encouragement. I find no cause of challenge, and take no exception to any among the officers composing this court, answered Traverse, again bowing with such sweetness and dignity, in tone and gesture, that the officers, in surprise, looked first at the prisoner, and then at each other. No one could doubt that the accused, in the humble garb of a private soldier, was nevertheless a man of education and refinement, a true gentleman, both in birth and breeding. As no challenge was made, the judge advocate proceeded to administer to each of the members of the court the oath prescribed in the Articles of War, to the intent that they should try the matter before them, between the prisoner and the United States, according to the evidence, 
without fear, favor, or affection. This oath was taken by each member, holding up his right hand, and repeating the words after the officer. The court then being regularly constituted, and every preliminary form observed, the judge advocate arose, and directed the prisoner to listen to the charge brought against him, and preferred by the colonel of his regiment, Gabriel Lenore. Travers raised his head, and fixed his eagle eyes upon the prosecutor, who stood beside the judge advocate, while the latter, in an audible voice, read the accusation, charging the prisoner with willful neglect of duty, and that he, the said Travers Rock, on the night of the first of September, being placed on guard at the northwestern outpost of the infantry quarters at Tecubea, did fall asleep upon his post, thereby endangering the safety of the quarters, and violating the forty-sixth article of war. To which charge the prisoner, in a firm voice, replied, Not guilty of willful neglect of duty, though found sleeping upon my post. The judge advocate then cautioned all witnesses to withdraw from the court, and come only as they were called. They withdrew, and he then arranged some preliminaries of the examination, and called in Captain Zutton, of the Blanth Regiment of Infantry. This witness was a short, coarse-featured, red-haired person of Dutch extraction, without intellect enough to enable him to conceal the malignity of his nature. He testified that on Thursday, the 1st of September, Travers Rock, private in his company, was ordered on guard at the northwestern outpost of the quarters, between the hours of 4 and 8 a.m., that about five o'clock on the same morning, he, Joseph Zutton, in making his usual rounds, and being accompanied on that occasion by Colonel Gabriel Lenore, Lieutenant Adams, and Ensign Baker, did surprise Private Travers Rock asleep on his post, leaning against the sentry-box with his musket at his feet. This witness was cross-examined by the judge advocate, who, it is known, combines in his own person the office of the prosecutor on the part of the United States, and counselor for the prisoner, or rather, if he be honest, he acts as an impartial inquirer and arbiter between the two. As no new facts were gained by the cross-examination, the judge advocate proceeded to call the next witness, Colonel Lenore. Here, then, was a gentleman of most prepossessing exterior, as well of most irreproachable reputation. In brief, his testimony corroborated that of the foregoing witness, as to the finding of the prisoner asleep on his post at the time and place specified. In honor of his high social and military standing, this witness was not cross-examined. The next called was Lieutenant Adams, who corroborated the evidence of former witnesses. The last person examined was Ensign Baker, whose testimony corresponded exactly to that of all who had gone before him. The judge advocate then briefly summed up the case on the part of the United States, first by reading the 46th Article of War, to wit, that any sentinel who shall be found sleeping on his post, or shall leave it before he shall be regularly relieved, shall suffer death, etc., 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 and secondly, by reading the recorded evidence to the effect that Travers Rock had been found by competent witnesses sleeping on his post, and concluded by saying, Gentlemen, officers of the court-martial, here is the law, and here is the fact both proven, and it remains for the court to find a verdict in accordance with both. The prisoner was then put upon his defense. Travers Rock drew himself up, and said, that the truth, like the blessed sun, must, on its shining forth, dispel all clouds of error, that trusting in the power of truth, he should briefly relate the history of the preceding seven days. And then he commenced, and narrated the facts with which the reader is already acquainted. Travers was interrupted several times in the course of his narrative by the President, General W., a severe martinet, 
who reminded him that an attempt to criminate his superior officers would only injure his cause before the court. Traverse, bowing, as in duty bound to the President at every fresh interruption, nevertheless proceeded straight on with his narrative to its conclusion. The defense being closed, the judge advocate arose, as was his privilege, to have the last word. He stated that if the prisoner had been oppressed or aggrieved by his superior officer, his remedy lay in the thirty-fifth of the Articles of War, providing that any soldier who shall feel himself wronged by his captain shall complain thereof to the colonel of his regiment. To this the prisoner begged to reply that he had considered the colonel of his regiment his personal enemy, and as such could have little hope of the issue, even if he had had opportunity afforded him, of appealing to that authority. The judge advocate expressed his belief that this complaint was vexatious and groundless, and here the evidence was closed, the prosecutor, prisoner, and witnesses dismissed, and the court adjourned to meet again to deliberate with closed doors. It was a period of awful suspense with Traverse Rock. The prospect seemed dark for him. The fact of the offense and the law affixing the penalty of death to that offense was established, and as the judge advocate truly said, nothing remained but for the court to find their verdict in accordance to both. Extenuating circumstances there were certainly, but extenuating circumstances were seldom admitted in courts-martial, the law and practice of which were severe to the extent of cruelty. Another circumstance against him was the fact that it did not require a unanimous vote to render a legal verdict, but that if a majority of two-thirds should vote for a conviction, the fate of the prisoner would be sealed. Travers had but one friend in the court, and what could his single voice do against so many? Apparently nothing. Yet, as the prisoner on leaving the courtroom raised his eyes to that of his friend, Herbert Grayson returned the look with a glance of more than encouragement. Of Triumph. End of Chapter 52